0: Hello everyone and welcome to the second season of the history of modern Greece Where we cover the subject of the fall of Constantinople to the modern day I'm your host Daniel Roberts and I'm here with my father George Hi, my name is George And our music is brought to you by Mark Youngerman This is episode 45 The Bulgar Origins Story, part 2 In 701 CE Khan Ospera died fighting against the Khazars, and his son Tervel replaced him as the next Khan of Bulgaria. Tervel was a fierce warrior like his father, but he did not know of the old great Bulgaria. He only knew of the new Bulgaria that he lived in now. Sure, he heard the stories of his brothers and the evil Khazars that pushed them from their homeland, but there was only one thing Tervell knew very well, and that was the Khazars killed his father. The Bulgarian state was only 20 years old, and it had a lot of work to do to solidify itself. With Khazars attacking from the north and the Byzantine armies attacking from the south, Tervel had his hands full. There are very few historical records of Trevelle on his own in Bulgaria, but his actions later in life really determined the fate of all of Europe, and thence the world. Trevelle didn't go seeking fame and fortune for himself, nor did he go seeking glory. He was busy taking care of his new kingdom. Fame, fortune, and glory came to him, in the form of a deposed emperor, seeking help Justinian II was a Byzantine emperor who was overthrown and banished from the empire and to make sure he could never return and take control they cut off his nose so this noseless emperor fled north to Crimea and sought out the Khazar Khan for help he didn't get any help from the Khazars but he did seek an audience with the Bulgar Khan Tervel now this was a very bold move, as Justinian II was the man responsible for going to war with the Bulgars and conquering all of their new land. And you have to admit, there must have been a moment where Tervel thought of killing this noseless Roman despot. Tervel accepted the ex-emperor's request for an audience, and when Justinian walked in with his shiny gold nose and apologized for killing all his people and stealing all his land, he made an offer. Justinian II offered to give the Bulgarians all their land back and even bestow upon Con Tervel the title of Caesar, which is the equivalent of making him the vice president of the Roman Empire. This was an amazing title, and Tervel accepted Justinian II's offer. Tervel marched his army of Bulgarians to the walls of Constantinople, the very city where his grandfather was raised, and with the help of Justinian II, they snuck in through the underground water tunnels and seized the capital city. With Justinian II back in the role of emperor, and Tervel now the second most powerful man in the Roman Empire, things were looking good for Tervel and his Bulgarian Empire. But there is a lesson here to be learned. You never trust a Greek with a golden nose, because Justinian II immediately reneged on the deal, and banished Tervel and took back all the lands they just gave him. It was a total slap in the face to tervel and the bulgarians and this angered tervel angered him so much this sneaky little greek had waged war on his people stole his land and after finally offering peace and restitution he lied it took even more now tervel must have been extremely angry for being tricked as well because it weakened his position among his own men. If Turvel could be this easily tricked by the Romans, then perhaps he wasn't the best man to be leading his people. The war was on. Turvel was going to get his revenge on Justinian if it was the very last thing he ever did. In 708 CE,
1: Justinian II personally led an army into Thrace to take back the land he gave to the Bulgars. I don't want to suggest Justinian was an imbecile, but from hindsight he sure seemed like one. His army invaded Bulgarian land without properly scouting the area. Once they found a city to set up camp, Justinian ordered his cavalry to go out salvaging food and supplies while the infantry set up camp, completely unaware that the Bulgar army was close by. Trevelle and his cavalry rode in from the sides and ambushed the Roman soldiers as they gathered food and supplies, killing almost every one of them. There was no pitched battle. It was a massacre. And while the Roman cavalry was being ambushed, the main Bulgar army besieged the Roman camp. Trevelle's cavalry completely overran the camp and cut down the Roman soldiers as they scrambled into formation, wiping out their army before they could even line up to fight. It was an absolute slaughter, and Justinian himself barely escaped to a ship that took him back to Constantinople. It must have felt good for Treveld to get his revenge on the Romans, but his true quarrel was with Justinian II, and he had escaped. So it was far from over. In 711 CE, Arabs attacked the Byzantine garrisons in Anatolia, forcing Justinian II to call on his allies for assistance. But who could he call on? No one. It must have been a very awkward moment for him, because Justinian sent a letter to con Trevelle asking for forgiveness, as well as help fighting off the Arabs in Anatolia. You can just imagine the outrage of Trevelle. How dare he ask for help after betraying him so many times. But Trevelle's quarrel wasn't with the Romans. It was with Justinian II. I'm sure there were men in Trevelle's court who told him to let Justinian and his men die, but the fact that the Byzantine Empire was the only thing standing between them and the Arab Caliphate might have had something to do with his decision. Trevelle ended up sending 3,000 men to aid Justinian in his fight against the Arabs, which was a very small amount of men. While Justinian defended the front line in Anatolia against the Arab incursions, A rebellion happened at the capital, and a man named Philippicus seized the throne and claimed himself the emperor. This was very embarrassing for Justinian, as this was the second time he'd been overthrown. So now there were two emperors, but neither was at the capital. It became a race to see who could get to the throne first. Unfortunately for Justinian, he didn't make it in time. He got to the walls of the city with his army, only to see another army waiting for him. This was a deciding moment. Justinian II had his small army, including the 3,000 Bulgars sent from Trevelle, but instead of engaging in an army, the soldiers put down their weapons and left Justinian II alone on the battlefield. I don't know what the weather was like. But I'd like to assume it was raining, as this would have been a very sad moment for Justinian. Everyone had abandoned him, but only because of his terrible decisions. As he stood there dumbfounded and alone in the fields beyond the walls of Constantinople, the Byzantine commander walked up with his sword and chopped off Justinian's head. <laughs> well, why are you so sorry for a shithead like that? Huh? <laughs> The Bulgarians were permitted to leave without harm, and they rode north to their khan to tell him the good news. Justinian II, the traitor and deceiver of the Bulgar people, was now dead. Trevel was happy that Justinian II was dead, and saw the chaos in the Byzantine Empire as an opportunity to raid into the countryside. The Bulgarians rode as far south as the walls of Constantinople and escaped back to their land with treasure and wealth and food and supplies. It was the very least they were owed after everything the Byzantines had stolen and promised.
0: My name is Koji. And I'm Michelle. And this... under a warrant authorized by the Secretary of War, who was his enemy of the United States. He was my grandfather on my dad's side. To hear more stories about Japanese America, you can listen to this podcast anywhere you normally download your podcast. In 716 CE, after several years of hostility and frequent raiding into Byzantine territory, the Roman Emperor Theodosius III signed a peace treaty with Khan Tervel. By now the Khan's anger towards the deceiver Justinian must have been quelled, or at the very least he saw the necessity of peace with the Romans. This treaty was very important, because the very next year, the Roman Emperor Leo III called upon the great Khan Turvel for help. It was the year 717, and the Arabs amassed a large army and navy and besieged the city of Constantinople. And because he promised peace between the two empires, Khan Tervel responded and sent his army to the gates of Constantinople to fight the Caliphate. This was a cold winter, with 100 days of snowfall. For the Arabs, this was colder than anything they had ever experienced before. But for the Bulgars, it wasn't that bad. They were steppe people, horsemen, who were used to the bitter cold at least more used to it than the Arabs. While the Greek navy burned the Arab fleet with Greek fire, and the bitter cold froze and starved the Arabs, the Bulgars led a cavalry charge that massacred the Arab army. It was a brutal defeat for the Arabs, as Bulgarian horse riders galloped through the battlefield, striking down their enemy with their sabres. It is estimated that the Bulgars cut down 22,000 Arabs at the walls of Constantinople. That's a lot of frozen corpses on the ground to clean up in the spring. After all the disagreements and conflicts the Bulgars and Byzantines had with each other, they worked together in their moment of need to defeat the Arab Caliphate. It was after this victory that a famous sculpture of Bulgarian cavalry, was carved into the cliffs in the valley of Madaro. In 721 CE, Khan Tervel, the grandson of the great Khan Kubrat of old great Bulgaria, died. We don't know how he died, or at least we couldn't find out how. But he lived an amazing life, and it is because of Khan Tervel that the Byzantine Empire survived the siege of 717. We don't have much detail about what happened in Bulgaria during this time, as the only written record comes from the Byzantine chroniclers, and they clearly weren't at war with Bulgaria. Otherwise, we would have had some written account about this. Now, this is a guess, not our guess, but the guess of real historians, that this was a relatively peaceful time for the Bulgarians which would lead to the conclusion that the Khan of Bulgaria was successful in leading his people. Of course, peace between the Bulgars and Byzantines couldn't last forever, and just because the Romans weren't attacking the Bulgars right this moment didn't mean they were letting them off the hook. The Bulgars witnessed several actions from the Romans that made them uneasy. Hundreds of thousands of peasants were being imported from Anatolia and settled upon the Thracian border with Bulgaria, and this dramatic increase in population and fortifications on the border between the Roman Empire and Bulgaria was seen as a great threat to the Bulgarian people. In 755 CE, the Bulgar Khan Kormasosh had enough and raided into the Thracian countryside. Now it sure seems like this was the Bulgars acting as the aggressors, and maybe it was. It could also be the fortifications and the new populations that was just moved onto his border. Whatever justification the Bulgar Khan had for invading the Roman Empire, it set off a series of battles and campaigns where the Roman Emperor Constantine V was successful in defeating the Bulgars nine times in one year. It was a tough time to be a Bulgar Khan, as any sign of weakness sensed within that Khan meant other nobles would conspire to overthrow and murder them. Constantine V was very successful in his raids, and managed to capture several Bulgarian nobles and chop their heads off at the walls of Constantinople. This led to a period of instability within Bulgaria, And the sign of weaknesses for the Bulgarians was a sign of opportunity for the Romans. After six Khans were murdered by their peers for weakness and defeat in battle, the new Khan Telerig came to power. In
1: 774 CE, Khan Telerig sent an army into Macedonia to gather as many Slavic peasants as he could find and relocate them to Bulgaria. There was an understanding back in the day that peasants were resources to be moved around and shuffled like pieces on a chessboard. However, Constantine V sent a massive army north and destroyed this Bulgarian expedition. This was a great defeat for Khan Telerig, and as every Khan before him, this meant he was likely to be killed by his own men and replaced by a stronger Khan. So Khan Telerig sent an emissary to Constantinople, and ask for sanctuary. When Khan Telerik knew he had to escape soon or else he would be assassinated, and the Emperor of Constantine knew this was a possibility as well, so when the Bulgarian messenger came to his palace with a request for asylum, Constantine saw a great opportunity. With Khan Telerik in his court, he would have valuable intel on his enemy and might be able to defeat the Bulgars for good and reclaim the lost land to the Byzantine Empire. Con Telerig asked Constantine if he knew of anyone in Bulgaria who might be able to help him escape without being assassinated. Constantine V was quick to write a list of names of Bulgarians who were working with the Romans who could help smuggle him out of Bulgaria and back to Constantinople. When Con Telerig received the reply from Emperor Constantine V with a complete list of every Bulgarian spy on the payroll of the Romans, he had them all gathered and executed immediately. It was a brilliant plan from Con to rid himself of all the Roman spies and this news made it back to Constantine who lost his lid with rage. He had been tricked and now all of his contacts within the empire were dead. This was the final straw. Constantine gathered the largest army he could and marched them north to take on the Bulgars. Unfortunately for Constantine, he died before he could retaliate against Telerik. Even though Khan Telerik tricked the Byzantines into betraying the names of their spies, his life was still in danger, and he defected to Constantinople anyway, and ended up
0: marrying the cousin of Empress Irene. The next Khan ruler to rule over the Bulgarian Empire was Khan Kardam. He spent his career defending against more Byzantine invasions, this time from Emperor Constantine VI, the infamous son of Empress Irene. And Khan Kadam was successful almost every time. He defeated the Romans at Adrianople and again at Marcelli. Khan Cardam was the first competent ruler, or at least the first competent and successful ruler, in many generations. His reign was the return of stability to the Bulgarian people, and although there were several more incursions of Byzantine armies, a peace treaty was signed in the year 792 CE. There were serious disagreements between Emperor Constantine VI and Khan Kardam, especially when Constantine thought it would be funny to send a tribute of dung instead of gold to the Khan Khan. This resulted in a standoff of the two armies but eventually ended with peace as Constantine VI agreed to return to the terms of the peace treaty. Eventually Constantine VI was arrested and blinded by his mother and later died of his wounds. Concardam and Empress Irene returned to the peace treaty of 792 and general peace lasted between the two empires for several years to come. We don't know what killed Khan Kardam, but we do know that he died sometime during the reign of Empress Irene, as the next Khan of Bulgaria was already in power when Empress Irene was overthrown. Around the year 803 CE, Khan Krum became the next leader of the Bulgarian people, and his reign would see the empire double in size. He brought war to the Khazars and expanded his territory north, Krum earned the nickname Krum the Fearsome, as he is the one who defeated the Byzantine Emperor Nikephorus in battle in the year 811 CE, and turned his head into a drinking cup. We're going to leave this episode here, as this is not a podcast series on the Bulgarians, and we've also caught up to the narrative with the death of Nikephorus and the famous skull cup of the Roman Emperor. I'd just like to state that Khan Krum is one of the most famous Khans of the first Bulgarian Empire. And every time he sat down to drink a glass of wine, he sipped it out of the head of a Roman emperor. Quite a fearsome ruler indeed. Next time we'll return to the story of the Byzantine Greeks and continue the narrative from their perspective. If you want to know more about what happened to Khan Krum we recommend you check out the Bulgarian History Podcast from Eric Halsey, as he does a much more detailed job describing the events of the Bulgarian Empire. I just want to quickly ask your thoughts on Constantine the Sixth. Now that we have more information about him, has your opinion on him changed at all?
1: Well, I can sure see why his mum did him in, because, I mean, what an ignorant thing to do to start a whole war by... Uh... Sending a big pile of poop up there instead of gold. I mean, that's a slap in the face. That's that's antagonistic. He's definitely not a, a
0: statesman or anything like that. Nah, no. no, he's bad. Yeah, Bad for the Empire. It makes my opinion of Irene even better now. Because that was the one thing that I didn't like about her, is blinding her own son. But seeing what her son was like, maybe it really was a good thing that she did that. That I agree with. So after going through the Bulgarian origin story, how close did it seem like the Roman Empire and the Bulgarian Empire came to uniting into one force? It seemed like it came a few times. uh, That one time
1: with a great-grandfather,
0: what was his name again? Uh, Great Khan Kubrat.
1: Kubrat. He was raised as a child and... And uh, it looked like there was going to become unification then.
0: That's before the Arabs invaded.
1: Yes. And then the other one, when Justinian said, look, you could become, uh, Justinian II, you could become Caesar of the entire Byzantine Empire. Well, that looked like they were going to become one united uh, entity. And then, of course, he backstabbed him. I think it came close a few times. Mm -hmm. And then when they came down to rescue... um, From the uh, Arabs' big invasion of... Yes, that's another time they could have come close, but again, more backstabbing.
0: Well, that's it for today. Join us next time on the History of Modern Greece. Stay safe and stay awesome.